Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Buccinelli. The following is an interview with Brad Rosebrock. Brad is a Center Grove and Ball State alum. In 2001, upon graduating from Ball State, he joined the Orioles of Avon as a special education teacher and assistant boys cross country coach. In 2002, Brad took over as the head girls cross country and track and field coach, where he would remain for 16 years. At Avon, Brad accomplished a lot coaching the girls, including two top 10 state finishes as a team, two individual All-Americans, two individual state champions, and 25 All-State athletes. After a short time away from coaching, Brad spent a season as an assistant at Carmel under Colin Altavote before joining Zionsville as their new head boys track and field coach in 2019. During this interview, we cover Brad's start in the sport, his coaching journey, his experiences in special education, transitioning into the head coaching role at Avon and Zionsville, what he's learned about coaching girls through the years, his philosophies on training and culture, what he enjoys outside of coaching, and much more. I really enjoyed getting to hear about Brad's transformation as a coach through the years, from happening into the assistant role at Avon, to taking over as the head girls coach, to his evolving view on training, to meeting Colin, to his shift in mindset on the importance of focusing on the process. Brad has evolved a lot as a coach through the years. I think his evolution as a coach is a testament to his willingness to consider new ideas and approaches to training and culture for the sake of his athletes. Again, thank you guys for listening to and supporting this podcast. As always, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you Brad Rosebrock. Brad, welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. How's it going? Very good. Very good. Glad to be here. Awesome. Um, how is the track season shaping up? How are you guys looking for state? Uh, looking pretty good. Uh, we've got our 4 by 800 relay uh, team that uh, is seated second and, um, you know, really excited uh, for them. They work with uh, primarily with Gabe Porras and David Brake. Uh, who are also our Zionsville boys cross country coaches, uh, but really excited for them. Ryan Handy is also running in the Open 800. Uh, Jack Turnbull in the 1600. Um, we've got Cam Mullins in the 200 and 400. Ben Esley in the discus. Uh, Knox Willis in the 110 meter hurdles. And trying to think if I'm leaving anybody out i don't think so yeah you guys got a little bit a little bit everything across the board yeah yeah it was a good season and i you know obviously you know coming off the success of a you know second place uh cross-country team you know our distance has been uh obviously a big part of our team but um you know at the same time we've got some really good sprinters had a uh four by one team that um you know ran their season best uh, time just missed out um, uh, a couple tenths of a second, you know, hitting the standard and 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 maybe advancing. We had a four by four that we thought would uh, have a chance. And uh, but unfortunately, a lot of their exchanges were kind of in more of the outside lanes. They had to weave and navigate through, you know, uh, some traffic and, and slowed them down a little bit. So, um, you know, but we're really pleased with the athletes that we have. And, and, and uh, you know, kind of like you said, pretty pretty balanced group 
that we have advancing the state on Friday. Absolutely. So we'll get into your background a little bit more later on, but I'm curious as a guy with a distance background who's stepped into a head coaching role for track, like what does your week look like? Do you have a little bit more bias towards being around the distance guys or do you kind of spread yourself out evenly? What does that look like? You know, it's, it's funny that you say that. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got Gabe Porras and David Brake, like I said, our cross country coaches, uh, Gabe Porras is the previous, uh, long time, uh, boys head track and field coach at Zionsville. And so, you know what, I mean, even though a lot of my experience previously, like at Avon, for example, was, uh, mostly distance related, um, you know, they, they've got it covered. Um, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. They've had consistent teams over the years and, uh, have had uh, big breakthroughs in recent years, you know, culminating in that, uh, runner up performance, uh, in the fall. Um, you know, I've kind of taken the opportunity and, and we've had some turnover in staff. Um, we had to replace, uh, oh gosh, what pole vault, uh, high jump, long jump. Most of our, most of our field events, other than, uh, our throws, uh, sprint and hurdles. We've had some turnover, um, you know, in the last year. And so we, we brought on some good, you know, really good, uh, credible, experienced coaches, but that's also kind of given me an opportunity in recent years to kind of branch out, um, and, and, and kind of spend some time, you know, with some other events, we might get to it a little bit later, but, uh, really took, uh, advantage during like COVID, um, like a lot of like zoom webinars that different coaches, you know, would offer, um, USATF and USTF CCCA, um, who I had done their in-person, like the USATF level one certification I had done at Manchester. Um, I don't know, 2007, maybe 2008, something like that. Um, but they did a lot of their level twos, uh, went online, um, and the same with USTF CCCA and, uh, really took advantage of a lot of that over COVID. And then even post COVID, um, you know, uh, especially a lot in the summers, uh, kind of professional development, learning more about sprints, hurdles, relays, jumps, uh, and whatnot. That's awesome. So are you, are you kind of plugging in wherever you're needed or do you focus on a specific group? Uh, you know, I started the season a little bit uh, working with our hurdlers um, until we kind of shored that position up and then um, more working with our high jumpers, uh, which I'm definitely a work in progress. I don't pretend to be, you know, any kind of uh, any kind of expert in that particular event. But then, yes, like you said, you know, I mean, whether it's an illness or whether it's, you know, just a coach not being able to make it on a particular day, you know, plugging in with our girls sprinters or our boys sprinters. We have separate coaches, you know, for uh, for the two genders um, be, being able to plug in and probably mostly the jumps and the sprints and the hurdles. Um, we've got several throws coaches, you know, some paid, some volunteer and then, like I said, uh, Gabe and, and David Brake do just a phenomenal job with our with our distance crew. So, um, like you said, kind of like plugging in here and there. But um, if I had one group that I would say I was more responsible for, it would be the high jumpers this year. Okay. Sounds like you've got a, a good staff going there. Uh, so we are obviously going to get more into your story, your background, but... We start off every episode with what's called tier talk. Uh, 
So we rank our top three favorite um, X, fill in the blank. And so that for this week, it is if you had to swap lives with a professional athlete, who would be your top three? Uh, so do you want me to go first or do you want to take it? Yeah, yeah. You, you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Um, so I was actually talking with my girlfriend before this about this tier talk and she took it in an interesting direction. She I kind of interpreted it as if she could swap lives with a professional athlete uh, who like she could never do the things they do. So she's mentioned like figure skaters or like X game athletes, which I thought that was really interesting. Um, sure. But I uh, I took it more of like people or athletes who I um, kind of know a little bit about their personal lives or follow them uh, through media and then also just like how they, they play the game. So number three is Travis Kelsey. He is the tight end for the Chiefs. Um, he also has a podcast with his brother, which is is really interesting. Um, and I, I just think he's a cool guy, fun guy, obviously maybe the best tight end of all time or definitely up there. Just, definitely uh, up there, yeah. Yeah, uh, awesome guy all around. Number two is J.J. Redick, uh, kind of similar to Travis Kelsey. Uh, he has a podcast as well listened to it a lot. I've listened to a lot of his um, like game recaps and game previews for, for this finals run. So very opinionated, uh, very. JJ Reddick. You yeah. know, right, right or wrong, agree with him or disagree with him, but he, he's not afraid to share his opinion. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, um, definitely a very, a very passionate guy. <laughs> I, I do appreciate, um, you know, not most uh, analysts have like played the game at a professional level, so he comes at it from Maybe a slightly different angle, which I appreciate. But yeah, very, very passionate, very opinionated. And number one is Steph Curry. Um, I think basketball is probably my favorite sport just to play. And for like my generation, he like transformed the game. And it would just be fun to like be him for for a little bit and be able to like shoot the ball like he does and just know what it's like to to live like him. So sure. those are my top three. All right. You're uh, ready for mine? I'm ready. All right. Well, I, oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe this, maybe I'm taking this too deep and, and, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, I am fascinated with history um, uh, and I guess sports history. And then especially like people who broke barriers or, you know, uh, boundaries and so this may sound really weird. I put, and not necessarily in any order, I think I listed them in, in order of uh, when they kind of broke into their sport, but uh, Jackie Robinson, Bill Russell, um, and Muhammad Ali. Dang. And I mean, I don't want to make light of what they went through, you know, like socially, emotionally, but like, it just fascinates me, you know, the stories you know, maybe documentaries, um, articles, books, or interviews that uh, maybe I've seen or read about them. And I just don't know if that does it justice, like mm -hmm. what they experienced, you know, um, with what they did, you know, the barriers that they broke, how they lived their lives, you know, and whatnot, how it affected them, how it affected their families, you know. Um, so I, I may... I may live a, a, a day in their shoes. Right. And be like, mm -hmm. I can't handle it. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> this is, this is way too much, but I just, I just feel like I empathize, you know, with, with 
those athletes, you know, I, you know, again, either racially or socially or, or, or whatnot and what, what they had to go through. And again, I just, I, I try to put myself in their shoes and I just don't think that, that watching a documentary or reading an article or book does it justice. And I, and I, and I wish I could actually kind of feel, you know, what, uh, what they what they felt what they went through for better or for worse you know and and, and i'm sure for worse you know yeah absolutely um, it's interesting the the angles that people take on on the tier talk especially if it's like a i don't know kind of a wide open question um so that i don't know i didn't think about that kind of i don't that angle but that that would be really interesting to experience it all three of their lives uh well cool so that Tier was tier talk. Now we're going to get on to car thoughts. So this is a segment we've been doing for maybe four or five episodes now, but I don't know. I spent a lot of time daydreaming, thinking about my life, thinking about the future. And I thought it'd be cool to have a, a portion of the podcast where I can kind of share a little bit about what I'm thinking, but also hear about um, what some of the best coaches and athletes from around the state are thinking about as well, um, whatever it may be. So I can start off. So yeah. my first one is my serious one. So I've been thinking a lot about duty um, on two fronts. One, so there's like maybe 20% of your life that you're doing stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, but are necessary to live or just to like maintain order in your life. Um, I'm thinking about like cooking, doing laundry, brushing your teeth, making your bed, getting ready. And I often find when I'm doing these things that I really don't want to be doing them. I'd be rather be doing other things. Um, but I've kind of been trying to like reshape my my thinking of these things and just like they are necessary to be alive and to keep, um, like I said, order in your life. Like you just kind of have to do them. And like it doesn't matter if you want to or not, you just have to. And there's a lot of it kind of translates to other areas of life as well, whether it be in work, um, coaching, different running, other things like that. Like there's things that you just don't want to do, but they are necessary to to run well, to coach well. Um, so it doesn't necessarily matter if you <laughs> want to do them or not. You just kind of have to. That's like, really accept. good. You know, Josh, I don't know. I, I forget where I read this. Uh, I feel like I think Bob Kennedy may have said this. Um I know he's always said like, kind of, you know, keep your eye on the ball. That was kind of like a mantra that he would play. I think when he would go up to the line before a race, but I thought he also has like a quote where he says something about, you know, like the little things, the little routines, um, mm. th th they need to become so routine or so normal, just like brushing your teeth, you know? Mm. And so, I don't know, when you were just kind of talking about that, I was thinking about that, you know, and, and, and how it might pertain to an athlete or, you know, a coach of athletes, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, brushing teeth. Yeah. Especially for my seven-year-old son, you know, sometimes if I have to remind him several times to go brush his teeth, it's the end of the world, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> right. it's still kind of a fight sometimes with him, but um, you know, something, yeah, that you, that, that you, you just need to do, um, you know, and, um, and, and when you think about it, it's not really that difficult. Uh, as I try to, as I try to tell my son, let's just, yeah, let's, just do, sure. let's get it done. Let's get it over with. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I mean, brushing your teeth, brushing your teeth is a great example. Like the alternative to not brushing your teeth is like not having teeth, you know, it's like, sure. 
it just doesn't matter if you want to do it or not. Like you have to do it. Right. Um, and then the second front that I've been thinking about duty on is it seems like there's different like phases and milestones in life where just like the way life works, it calls you to like a higher level of responsibility. Uh, I feel like I'm in the midst or at the beginning of one of those things where um, like I've been dating my girlfriend for about two years now. We've been like seriously discussing marriage and and those big life decisions that come with it, like family, buying a house, other things. And like, I feel like I've been pretty responsible with like the way I've managed my finances and just the way I've like ordered my life. But it's one thing to manage your life as like an individual bachelor, but it's another to be thinking about big purchases, big life decisions. And so I've just been thinking about like those phases of life, you know, whether you be graduating high school or graduating college, um, like getting your first place, thinking about marriage, thinking about family, like life, there are phases in life that basically everybody goes through where life calls you to like a higher level of responsibility and you can, you can either meet it um, and, and go with it and exceed it or not. And oftentimes you'll find yourself backsliding or getting stuck. And so just been thinking a lot about those, those major phases in life. Sure. Um, so that's my serious car thought, my not so serious car thought. I feel like it always relates to cats, but <laughs> why are there no stray dogs, but a million stray cats? Have you ever thought about that? That is, wow. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you... And, and really I'm trying to think, I'm like, okay, like rural versus you know urban and really it's mm. isn't it all of the above like yeah um i don't know that's interesting and now i mean obviously i'm not going to leave the podcast but usually one interesting thing about me is i'm i'm usually pretty good if i have a question i know exactly what to put into like google you know like <laughs> okay i'm going to throw these keywords in and whatever it is, I'm going to, this is, this is, I'm going to find the answer, you know, but that, uh, that, that's, that's a stumper there. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a last trade cats around where you live or? Uh, no, not really. Um, but we did have a stray cat. Our cat, uh, got out of the house yesterday Oh no! and my wife and my son were, running around inside calling for one of our one of our two cats you know running around outside and finally i joined in i you know i was a little bit more calm cool and collected i think and i kind of went out the front door and looked to my left and here comes woodrow is the cat's name that's great just kind of meowing and and you know kind of walking up um so we 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 don't have a lot of stray cats but yesterday we had a cat that was a i guess a stray (laughs) cat at least temporarily but uh, he's safe and sound, though. All's good. Love to hear it. Um, so obviously that was a pretty deep car thought. Um, but is there <laughs> anything that uh, that uh, you've been thinking about recently on the drive to you work? You know, my, my serious, I, I do think, I don't have a long commute. Uh, I, I teach at Brownsburg uh, High School. And I live, I call it Pittsburgh, like right on the Brownsburg-Pittsboro line. Um, we have a Pittsburgh address, but we're Brownsburg schools. Um, so it's not, I mean, it's what five, six, seven minutes 
Um, so I don't have a lot of time, uh, I guess more time, I guess, driving from Brownsburg to Zionsville after school. Um, other than just kind of like the meaning of life, you know, and like <laughs> why, why I'm here or why we are here. Mm. I think a lot. I listen to music. Uh, I've been trying to listen more to podcasts um, in the car. But again, because of kind of that, you know, that stop go, I'm not in the car for too long. I, I listen mm. to music more. I, I love music, kind of the 60s, 70s, 80s, a little bit into the, the 90s. And I just, I'm not musically inclined, okay? I played the recorder uh, in, what was it, fourth grade? And I feel like I faked most of the the recorder, like the fingering of the the recorder, um, did some choir and general music uh, in high school, did not play an instrument, um, cannot read music, all right? Mm. I can recognize notes and tell you what a quarter note and a whole note and that. But I am fascinated with like the innovation and creativity of music, especially kind of like the 60s, 70s, 80s, mm. like I said, into the 90s, you know, like the Beatles, Bob Dylan, Beach Boys, when they were kind of jockeying, you know, who has the best album, Revolver or Rubber Soul by the Beatles, or is it <laughs> Blonde on Blonde or Highway 61 Revisited by Dylan or Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys? Um, going into like the 80, I guess the 80s, I'm not a big 90s fan, but kind of, you know, the police, U2, Van Halen, I guess I would say maybe Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, pretty creative and, you know, getting into that grunge thing, which I wasn't a fan. But, but I guess my point is just how music developed mm. and even kind of going back to, you know, a lot of like, you know, jazz and blues kind of stick away from country but 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 who influenced who, you know, mm-hmm. like the Rolling Stones, a very bluesy band, um, and 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 how they kind of like raised the bar, and I try to pull out music like I know you can get on YouTube and probably you know this is just the bass track or this is just the drum beat you know for this song, but I really try to analyze, even though I'm not musically inclined, you know, like how did this. How did this, you know, uh, uh, artist, how did he develop when he was with this band and then went to this band and then went to this band? Mm. And uh, one thing, I guess, that I've talked to my wife a lot about, um, I'm sorry, I know this is really random. Uh, Maybe this should be the not so serious. I don't know. But like, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, you think of like Mozart and Beethoven and Bach and, and I can listen to some classical music. And I'm like, gosh, those guys were so far ahead of their time. And like, what, a hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, will there be any modern musicians that that will be looked back upon as like a Beethoven or a Mozart? Like, Mm. will will the Beatles, you know, will Michael Jackson? I I don't know. Will Justin Timberlake? I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't have the answer, you know, for for that. But just... um, you know, whereas we look at music from a couple hundred years ago as being so innovative and creative, what what will be looked at, you know, when they look back at kind of our era of music and will it be held kind of in that same regard, I guess. That's interesting. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's serious, but I'm, I'm going to stick to that as <laughs> as my uh, serious uh car thought because i do i i I, you know it's not like i'm laughing or joking when i'm thinking that i'm like man 
this album or this album or this artist or this artist like how do they you know compare or or rate with each other hmm. um do you have a strong opinion on like modern music uh not not a big fan i think mm-hmm. like i said like you know gosh nirvana smashing pumpkins rem pearl jam i'm probably you know uh, you know, I know there's good, you know, what Soundgarden after probably after or, or along the same lines, but I think grunge, I think I sort of appreciated grunge for what it was, but I think I kind of did a little bit of a U-turn and was like, hey, there's a lot of really good music mm. in, the, in the, I don't know about the 80s, but the 70s and the 60s, you know, um, so yeah, not a big not a, I'm not a Swifty. I'm not a <laughs> what is it? Uh, K. I don't know what. Uh, I don't even know K-pop or yeah, K-pop. I, yeah, I, I'm lucky. I knew what to call him or them or or whatever. So yeah, um, I'm I'm a classic rock kind of guy. But but you know, here in a couple of years, what's classic rock going to be? You know, is it going to be yeah. the same thing or is it, it going to be different? So. Yeah, it's interesting what the the next phase of music will be too, and like this yeah, phase, yeah. I don't know, especially it, with AI, right? With AI yeah. coming in, and, yeah, you know, for sure. yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that was really serious, but I mean, it was. It's serious to me, but not so serious. Man, my thoughts, my not so serious thoughts, or maybe these are actually my serious thoughts, mm. are like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how many times like I am driving to work. And, you know, maybe I get halfway there, which isn't too far, like I said, but I'm like, man, did I put the garage door down oh. or, you know, or, or just you know, something like that? Did I, did I feed mm-hmm. the cats, you know, this morning yes. and I'll think like for five minutes, did I, or didn't I, you know, I don't know if that says that I just don't have a great short-term memory or, or what, but like, I'll think that for five minutes, just kind of debating you know, and I probably, I probably looked really deep in thought. And then I, I probably turn into the parking lot and I'm like, well, that was wasted time. Just thinking about it. I could have been thinking about, you know, innovative and creative music, you know, uh, instead of that, I put the garage door down, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I just, sometimes I, I, it, I'm, it's not OCD, I don't think, but it's kind of like, man, did I do this? yeah i i have those exact same thoughts like i i'm also pushing 50 josh so i you know i'm just i'm getting older so yeah see my my thoughts always end with like the worst case scenario like did i did we turn the ac back on after a nice day and like today is a hot day and it's gonna be 90 degrees in the house and the cats are gonna be dead (laughs) like right yeah those kind of it's not a big deal it's not as big a deal if you're doing it just like for that day you know like going to work but Mm -hmm. uh when it when it happens and you're like on your way like driving down to florida or something you know Mm. but we have great neighbors we have great neighbors that i could always text and like hey can you check i'm not sure if i you know (laughs) did did this or did that could you you know could you here's the code uh could you go and check for me um but yeah that's a those are great car thoughts or not so great my car thoughts yeah yeah i like it Awesome. Well, we're going to get into your background and then talk a little coaching. Uh, so we'll start from the beginning. How did you get your start in running? Where uh, where did it meet you in life? You know, I, I went to Center Grove High School uh, and it was actually a neighbor, really good friend of mine. 
that lived down the street talked me into running uh, cross country in high school. Um, and so I, I didn't, I, I did when I was younger, like soccer and, um, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of baseball, um, never really did basketball. Um, and I didn't somehow in, in middle school, just cross country just wasn't on my radar. Um, I did, I wrestled a little bit. That was back then when you had like the uh, 95 pound weight class, and that and that's what I wrestled the freshman 95 pound uh, weight class. Um, I think I may have won one uh, match like all season long. So wrestling quickly, I decided was not you know what what I was meant to do. Um, but yeah, it was uh, Eric Andrews, was, uh, a neighbor, talked me into doing it. Um, I think I did it just to kind of do, you know, just to do something, to be involved uh, uh, with something. Um, before that, I mean, you know, I mean, I loved running around the neighborhood, um, riding bikes around the neighborhood and, and everything. But, um, yeah, he, he got me into it. And I, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Just to kind of talk a little bit. I I wasn't always the most serious. I wasn't always the most committed. Uh, in fact, I was kind of sometimes a little bit of the class clown, you know, on the uh, uh, on the team. Not that I didn't put forth effort, but uh, I didn't. I definitely didn't achieve what I think I was ultimately capable of uh, of you know uh, doing as a, as a cross country athlete and track athlete. Yeah. So. Obviously, there had to be some level of uh, of love for the sport to be in it as long as you have been as a coach. Did that the moment of falling in love with the sport? Did it happen while you were running, or did it happen coaching, or when when did that happen? You know, each season uh, when I was at Center Grove, each season I got a little bit more serious. Um, you know, and 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 uh, you know, wanted to uh, run faster, run personal best, wanted to improve. You know, where I was on the team. Um, you know, we didn't have a great team by any means. Um, you know, we were always more kind of the, the, the county level, uh, the Johnson County and the conference, uh, back then I'm showing my age here, the CSAC, the central suburban athletic conference. And more often than not, I think our conference meet was at, uh, Martinsville. Um, so, so yeah, Center Grove and Martinsville used to be in the, in the same conference back in the day. Um, but I think just kind of year to year became a little bit more serious, a little bit more, you know, uh, passionate about the sport, um, cared more, not just about my performance, but the team's performance and, and, and how we did, how we performed as a team. Definitely. Uh, what do you remember about your training in high school? Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, obviously a long run, basic, uh, basic mileage. Uh, this was before, I think, you know, like before Daniels, Jack Daniels uh, running formula uh, uh, came out. Um, it, I'd say tempo based, um, you know, we do some intervals. Uh, and then towards the end, like my junior and senior year, um our coach, and, and I don't know if we'll talk about this a little bit later, but my coach, ironically, uh, started to implement uh, like the PPM program or the, the PAVO um, training. And uh, we, I think because it was a change, we were really resistant uh, to that. 
um, you know, uh, and, I, and I, I might talk a little bit about this later, something that I've kind of learned as a coach, um, you know, getting, uh, including the athletes in decision-making, um, you know, getting their feedback, mm-hmm. um, not just kind of like, you know, uh, being a, a dictator, not to say that Coach Rund was a dictator, but, you know, he kind of like made these whole scale changes and, and I just, I don't think we at the time, you know, all of us, I don't think we had like a lot of, you know, buy-in to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were definitely resistant uh, to it early on. Definitely. So I feel like in shaping your own coaching perspective, like you come across like people or programs or um, like, yeah, different things like that, that either you really want to emulate or you really don't. Was that one of those moments where you're like, I don't want to be this type of coach ever? You know, um, I, I definitely think my experience as an athlete at, at Center Grove kind of kind of gave me some, I guess, I guess intuition into um, how to how to coach and how not to coach. I guess if you know if if that makes sense, um, what to, what to do and what not to do. Um, and, and I think I kind of carried that with me, um, you know, my experiences, um, I, one of the things I, I think kind of a low light time that I had at Center Grove was, and I'm not, I'm not very proud of this. I, I often say that I deserve anything I get from the athletes that I coach. Okay. <laughs> um, our, our coach once quit because we kind of in the middle of a workout, we kind of like, we kind of, we, the, the athletes, we kind of ended the workout. Uh, we, we kind of like ran back to the locker room, uh, back to, back to school. Um, the good news is he didn't quit forever. He came back the next day. Uh, but he kind of came into the locker room and he, he said, uh, you know, if, if you guys aren't going to do this, then, you know, find yourself a new coach and, uh, he, he quit. Hmm. Um, definitely not something that I'm proud of, uh, you know, looking back. And I think you see why I said, you know, the, 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 the way that I kind of was as an athlete, um, I, I'm, I deserve a lot of what I've gotten over my, you know, 22, 23 years as a, as, as a coach, right. From, uh, hmm. from, from athletes that I've coached. Um, but I, I, I would definitely say, you know, my experience, it shaped me as an early coach again, kind of, um, what, what did my coach do? I, what do I feel he did, you know, right. That I want to do as a coach and what, Hmm. what would I have wanted differently, you know, um, from, from the coach athlete relationship. Absolutely. So you mentioned that that was one of your your lowlights. Do you have uh, a favorite moment or moments from your time at at Center Grove? We would always go to to McCormick's Creek, and those those were always fun times. Um, you know, just kind of bonding with the team. Um, you know, uh, the, the 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 camping. You know, um, the I don't know the camaraderie. Uh, the team races that we would have, the free time where we would, you know, just go and go creek stomping and run. I think, you know, I had a, a, a 
pair of, I don't even remember what they were, Nike Airs, and I popped the aerosols like in both of them, like the first week I think I got them uh, from just kind of running, you know, on the rocks in the creek at, at McCormick's Creek so much. Um, but I definitely, definitely those times, um, the, the, the friends that I've made, um, that, that some of them, I still, you know, I, I think I told you I'm going to turn 49 this year and, uh, some of them I'm still in contact with. Um, mm. so just those memories, I guess, those friendships. Yeah. I, I was going to ask if you had stayed in touch with any of them. Um, what do you think it is about running or those experiences that, that really bond you? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a common, what you're doing is, is, is there's a obvious, obvious commonality. You know, I've thought about this with like track and field, for example, and you've just got the different events, you know, and they're very mm -hmm. diverse and they're, they're, they take place in different areas and whatnot. Um, and even a lot of the team sports, um, you know, you've got different positions, uh, you know, wrestling, uh, you've got different weight classes, so you don't necessarily always interact, right, with everybody on the team. You probably tend to stay and practice more with guys that are that are your weight class. Uh, swimming, you know, is just different. That You're in the pool, but it's different distances. You know, cross country, you're all running the 5K distance, right? Um, uh, it's, it's just a, 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 a common, I don't know, common bond. But but when you're all doing the same thing, you know, you might be varsity, you might be JV, you know, um, you might might be a state athlete, you know, you might be somebody just trying to run a personal best time, right? Mm -hmm. um, but but you're doing the same thing. Absolutely. Are the the people that you ran with in high school are they still involved with the sport at all? You know, the irony is, I I don't think any of them. I, I I'm sure. Uh, I don't keep in touch necessarily this much but like i'm sure several of them run on their own just kind of you know leisurely recreationally maybe pop into a, a road race here or there um to my knowledge i'm the only one that uh has done any like significant i guess coaching um you know like post post high school i guess yeah i've a. Uh... I floated this out to a couple of people that I ran with in high school about doing kind of like a, a reunion podcast or like a memory lane podcast. Sure. Um, but it's also, it's interesting to see even for the guys who maybe aren't still running or really involved with the sport much, like how cross country has influenced like their life, just like their approach to life. Um, I don't know. It just instills so much like discipline and, you really get out what you put in teaches you that big lesson about life. There's just so many lessons that I've, it's cool to see how that translates to with these guys to other areas of life, whether it be a like career or um, other personal goals. So, sure. um, so you go on to ball state after center Grove. Did you run for ball state? Did you consider running in college? Uh, what did that so, look like? I thought about reaching out, um, but to be honest with you, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence about, um, first of all, about like, you know, my, the times that I had run and kind of my ability and, and my commitment. I, I just didn't know, you know, whether that was for me. And I kind of got more into just kind of running 
for, for the, the fun of it, you know, um, popping in a road race here or there, being able to run when I wanted to and, and not necessarily being on a, on a, on a schedule. Um, so I, I considered it, but didn't consider it very long, uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, would I, I'd, I'd follow the sport, you know, um, uh, I know like back in the day, I think when I was at ball state, you know, I, uh, there was a tnfmedia.com. And I think before that it, there was like run Groat Scheif. Uh, John Scheifer, I think he ran for University of Arkansas and they kind of had a, a a very early kind of Indiana runner, right? Uh, that, that would do a lot more collegiate, but kind of a little collegiate track and field and cross country news and a message board. Probably the first time that I had ever experienced a message board, you know, like on the internet. In my age, I think that I think the internet was very new, um, at least to kind of the general public uh, uh, back then. Hmm. I think I had a, a sounds like a pretty similar experience going to college. Like I, I went to Purdue. I tried to walk on. Like I was a an okay varsity runner at Fishers, but like in hindsight, definitely not good enough to run for Purdue. But started like running for myself and like training myself. Would eventually coach at West Lafayette for two years which was a ton of fun but it's interesting like when you like you said when you get to run for yourself and not because you have to like you really I don't know it takes your love for the sport I feel like a, to another level yeah and you know I, I may mention it later maybe kind of talking about philosophy but like you know like just I'm big now I wasn't back then you know when I first started coaching but like you know you you, you get to be here, right? You get to be here. You get to train. You don't, you don't have to, mm. if, you know, you, you can go and do something else. That's fine. And I think I just, you know, after post high school, I just, I don't, I don't think I, I would have jibed with that. You know, the, the whole, uh, you know, uh, obligation and commitment mm. and, and whatnot. And, and I'll tell you, and I think we might get to it too. Like I, I very much wanted, you know, um, we, we might get to it later. I, I didn't have any aspirations to be a coach. I, I was going to school to, to, to be a teacher, um, and, you know, kind of think things happen differently, uh, eventually. Um, but, but yeah. So, so did you go into Ball State planning to be a teacher once you graduated? You know, there was a while that I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to go into law enforcement and be a police officer. And, and not that I am, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I follow the law, right? I don't know how to say it, like, but um, I, I just look back and I, I can't picture myself as a police officer, right? Um, I, I. I, I made the right choice, but yes, I went to, I went to ball state. Um, my mom was a longtime teacher. She went to ball state in the 1960s. I think she's actually, she was actually in the, uh, maybe the graduating, the graduation class with David Letterman. She, she didn't know David oh. Letterman, but I think she has like a, may still have like an old yearbook that, um, I believe has his, uh, picture in it. Um, so not nearly as cool as her knowing him, I guess. Right. But, uh, but just kind of shows how old she is. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, 
I've got a sister uh, who has cerebral palsy with a physical disability. Um, and so she uses a wheelchair and needs a lot of like physical assistance. And my mom being an elementary uh, teacher, I, um, and I also worked at a place called Bradford Woods, um, like seven summers, kind of like throughout my college, like end of my high school and into college and a little bit after college. Uh, there's summer camps for kind of youth with various disabilities. And so that just kind of like pulled me towards, you know, um, I did some stuff with my sister when we were younger, like Special Olympics and whatnot, and just really liked working with, um, you know, children with disabilities. Uh, thought about going into occupational therapy uh, until I think I saw like the GPA requirement and I was like, ah, I'll go into special education. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. And, and Ball State, I mean, that's where my mom went and, you know, nothing against any of the other schools, but, but Ball State, you know, the, they've got the teacher's college there. It's one thing that they're really known for. And, um, so yeah, just another thing that kind of, kind of pulled me there towards, uh, towards Muncie. Okay. Um, it wasn't anything else in Muncie. Uh, I'll tell you that <laughs> it was the, the university. So, uh, with law enforcement, was that a decision that you were considering before you went to ball state or you did that? How long did that, uh, consideration last? Um, I strongly thought of it, uh, uh, you know, kind of like end of high school and, um, you know, kind of even making the, the, the college plans. But, um, I mean, ultimately education was just where I felt like the biggest pull, um, for me. And, and like I said, you know, thank goodness. Um, again, a lot of respect for our, uh, you know, our, our, our officers of the law. Um, I just, I don't know, I can't picture myself, <laughs> you know, uh, doing anything else other than what I do right now. Yeah. So when you were at Ball State, like studying special education, did that really cement it for you that this is what you wanted to be doing for for your life? Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, the, the classes and then the summers working at Bradford Woods, which was just an incredible mm -hmm. experience. It's really intensive and immersive. Like you're, you know, it's like, uh, I think eight weeks and you're there um, pretty much six out of seven days. You know, you, you don't, you don't really leave like you you're you're there responsible for you know uh the the campers um some of the best friends that i've ever made in my life that i've gone on vacation sometimes out of the country uh um to uh or with rather uh were friends that i made at, at bradford woods um just re really solidified you know wanting to work with you know, like I said, children with disabilities. My sister is a, you know, was a camper uh, there. And so I got to kind of work, you know, in the camps that she was at, me as a counselor, a cabin head, her uh, as, a, as a camper. So just, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of things in my life that kind of pulled me in that, in that direction. Mm. Uh, so my sister, I followed a, a similar path. She, she studied special education at Purdue. Um, last year, worked at Hershey Elementary, which feeds into Jeff um, as a special education teacher. Now she's at Westfield, actually. Um, but I, I've just seen the, uh, 
I don't know. You just you have to love and care about these kids. Like I've just seen the the toll it takes on her because obviously it's not an easy job. Um, what uh, what has made it worth it for you? Like through the years, you know. Um, well, first of all, like everybody, I think has their niche, right? And I mm-hmm. like, I, I think people, people, you know, I always there's a special place in heaven for you know for for people like you who teach special education and i you know i'm i'm flattered thank you i appreciate that but like you know i couldn't teach chemistry right i couldn't teach physics that's you know not my thing or calculus like like i i just happen to have the patience and you know the 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 desire to work with students with significant you know sometimes really significant medical you know, healthcare, behavioral, uh, uh, needs. Um, and, and I, I think I'd be lying a little bit if like, if I was, uh, you know, kind of like, um, not to get, uh, not metaphysical, but like, kind of, you know, like this is what I was, this is what I was made for. You know, I think I talked Mm. to you about the, like the car talk, you know, why am I here? Well, I, I think that I've I've got something that I'm really good at doing and I think it's working with, you know, these kids and to trying to trying to get them to be prepared for post high school outcomes, you know, living in their community, being a productive part of their of their community, um, being as independent as they possibly can be, you know, being involved socially um, in, in the community. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it with my sister and wanting her to have as much of a typical or, or a, a quote normal unquote normal you know or unquote rather life as as possible right mm. i i think that's what gets me through you know like i guess the days the weeks the months the years this year in particular has been a great year you know um one of my best years ever, you know, I think it wasn't maybe until May, May 1st, maybe that I was like, you know, not necessarily counting the days, but like, okay, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for a summer vacation, you know? Um, But, but never this year, some years there are, but, but never this year was I like, like I said, counting the days or like, I can't wait, you know, until, uh, until summer break or, or whatever. The, the question of like, what am I here for is something I definitely think a lot about. And I feel like for, for everyone, they have a different like amount of answers. I feel like there are some people who there's just like, there's one thing and they know that that's what there's, that they're here for. And that's what they're good at and, and are passionate about for others. There's like a lot of, a lot of different paths that they can take that would be equally fulfilling. Um, how quickly did you realize that like special education and then maybe even coaching as well is like what you are meant to be doing. You know, just kind of throughout the process, uh, Ball State, uh, I can't speak about other colleges, but Ball State does a great job, you know, getting you into practicums and methods classes where you go into, um, you know, the, the, the schools, uh, you know, I, I did a practicum at uh, Muncie Central, did a methods class at Wilson Middle School there in Muncie and uh, Morrison Mock uh, Elementary in Muncie. And so, they, you know, they really kind of immerse you. I really, I, I think, I hope like to, to not weed out, but to make you realize, right? Like, 
hey, this is either for me or this isn't for me, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, the supports were in place. It wasn't like they were, you know, kicking you, you know, off off the plank or into the pool in the deep end or whatnot. But um, th- th- just those experiences with experienced teachers um, had a great professor, uh, Dr. David Feldman, who's uh, who's passed away since then. But he was kind of um, this is this is old terminology, but my degree technically is in severe disabilities. And so that was kind of like what my, um, you know, my licensure was, and he was the only professor. And so he, you know, we had kind of an interesting relationship, the two of us, but uh, I don't know, just always very passionate and, and, and always wanting to learn more um, just about being an effective uh, educator of you know students with a wide range of of disabilities. So you you said that coaching wasn't necessarily in the picture from the beginning when you went to Ball State, uh, maybe even early on after. Um, where did your career or life take you after Ball State? Did you go straight to Avon or what was what was in between? Uh, I went for one semester. I, I graduated kind of like midterm. Uh, so like in December, um, and there, there weren't necessarily like a lot of like, you call them life skills now, I guess, uh, teaching positions, um, available. There was a Ball State Teachers Fair. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but I went to, uh, Warren Central and it was like an instructional assistant, um, at Lakeside Elementary, uh, there in an ED classroom and, and had a blast. It was a great staff, great kids. Um, really good experience. Uh, Lakeside is the elementary that's right next to Warren Central High School. Um, so that that was really that was a lot of fun. In this that spring, I went to the Ball State Teachers Fair, which is in Worthen Arena, and it, it just really interesting. Um, it was like I think they were uh, God, 30, 30 minutes. I don't think they were fifteen minutes. But they were, you could interview, right, with, uh, they were set all along the concourse around the perimeter of the stadium where the Ball State basketball teams play. And I interviewed, oh my gosh, with, I think I interviewed with Pike, Avon, Detroit, uh, Albuquerque, San Antonio, Houston, uh, Covington, Kentucky. It's crazy that I can remember all these, right? Um, maybe, maybe Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, they were from all over and I remember North central, uh, in Indianapolis was the last one, uh, Washington township. And I think, I mean, you're, you're talking like 30 minute interviews, right. And like a lot of people probably only signed up for a few. I signed up for every opening. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And North Central was my last one. And I, you know, obviously I'll never see this person again, but I remember sitting down, slumping in the seat and like <laughs> apologizing at the beginning, like, I am sorry, but I am just so exhausted and so, <laughs> you know, tired from interviewing. I, I don't know how good of an interview this is going to be. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was really interesting. Um, I didn't necessarily have, I'm close with my family again, you know, grew up in Greenwood close with my family, but was very open to maybe moving out of state. Right. I mean, didn't feel a call. Like didn't feel like I had to, to go far and, and adventure and explore, but um, was open to that. 
And really, I interviewed with uh, Dr. Maggie Horneman, um, uh, who was an assistant superintendent at Avon. And I can't remember, it might have been that night uh, that I got a phone call um, from Dr. Horneman. And she said, you know, loved your interview and would like to do a follow, you know, like a follow up interview, you know, at Avon and, um, you know, kind of have our department chair, you know, at the high school, we have an open high school position, have our department chair and another like special ed teacher, kind of a more in-depth, you know, um, interview. And so I agreed to that. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I'm very glad that it worked out that way. But if it would have been one of the other schools that kind of called first, you know, and if I would have interviewed with them for I, who knows, who knows where mm. I might have been out in Albuquerque or Detroit. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Had, have you thought about that much? Like in another life, you'd be on the um, West Coast? Not, or... not recently. And I think probably, you know, I mean, g- getting married and having kids, you know, kind of. But I, I think I thought of it more so before, you know, mm-hmm. kind of starting a family or, or and, and whatnot. Um you know, like what, what if, you yeah, know, and, and almost more like what, if I would have gone someplace else, w- would I have moved back? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, w- would it, would it have been a permanent move or would I have felt kind of the pull to come back to Indiana? Because I will mm-hmm. say this, this, this might, um, my wife and I talk about, uh, about retirement and Josh, you'll, you'll be there eventually, you know, <laughs> soon, you know, not soon, but um, I'm still several years. Listen, I got a seven-year-old. I got many years before I retire. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we've talked about, and my wife has talked about, you know, the I don't know, dream goal of maybe like you know Montana or Wyoming, mm-hmm. and and we've gone and visited and vacation there, like the two of us. But I sometimes say to her, like, I just I can't. Maybe I'm just not dreaming, you know, like you are. I feel like I'm a Hoosier and I just can't imagine myself, you know, like living long-term like any, anywhere else. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the, what the future holds. Yeah. Do you still have a lot of family around? Yes. Yeah. Uh, my wife's side of the family lives in Cicero, uh, a majority of them up by Noblesville and my family is still predominantly down in Greenwood. And so you know, it's, it's kind of nice where we live, like in, you know, Pittsburgh, like I said, uh, Brownsburg is really nice because, you know, we're about, you know, 30, 40 minutes from my parents, my family, and probably about 45, 50 minutes from my wife's family. So, you know, just, just far enough that, you know, we, we kind of feel like, I don't know, does that make sense? Kind of like, uh, we're, 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 we can, we're on our own to an extent, mm-hmm. but also close enough that, you know, it's, it's really easy. Um, her parents live on a, on Morse Reservoir. So they have the lake there. My parents have a pool. And so, you know, very easy to kind of go and, and, and spend the weekend or, you know, just visit or, you know, if we need, if we're in a pinch, if my wife is presenting at a school, you know, in the north or southern part of the state, and I've got a track meet, you know, one of our parents can kind of come pretty easily and, mm-hmm. and, and, and watch our kids. So it's, it's, it's kind of a good, good thing we've got, I guess. Yeah. I feel like the, that question of like, am I a huger deep down? Like, will I miss Indiana? I want to come back. I, I don't know. For me personally, I guess like I didn't 
I thought I knew the answer to it until I like moved to Baltimore for a year and like I I my relationships are a big part of my life um like my family my closest friends and like it was awesome getting to experience like new food new culture in a way just a new atmosphere um but just like resetting making new friends um it's just it's so tough and some people can do it some people can pick up their lives and and reestablish pretty quickly but and part of just uh, something i realized being over there part of friendship is those like extended shared experiences like the the guys that i knew in high school that i'm still friends with like there's just something different about that kind of relationship where you've you've been through life together like i i've met some people that i was i guess i would consider friends with that we played basketball or ran together and like we could talk and we were cool but there's just something about like those deep roots that you have with your family and with your friends that you've grown up with. It's, it's hard to replace. Sure. Yep. Yep. So you, you started Avon. Uh, when does coaching come into the picture? Uh, well, uh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So I think it was at that interview that, uh, that I was at that, um, it was mentioned that um, the current girls and boys cross country teams that they did not have an assistant and that they, you know, that they were looking for assistant cross country coaches. So, um, you know, they asked me, I think, would you be willing to meet, you know, like with the athletic director or with, you know, the, the, one of the cross country coaches. And I was like, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and so I remember, I think it was, um, yeah, it was the Taco Bell, um, in Avon. I met with Bob Copeland. He was the boys cross country coach at Avon. Uh, this would have been back in 2001 and, um, you know, met with him, talked with him. Uh, he God, I don't want to say a salesman, but I mean, he just, he's just a, a, a very charismatic guy. And, um, you know, they had uh, just a good boys team, good girls team, and they just were not having any luck, you know, getting uh, assistant coaches. And, you know, I and we might get into this. I, I, it's 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 really hard for me to say no as an educator. All right. Mm. Um, at one point, at one point when I was at Avon, I think I was um, I was the girls head cross country coach, the girls head track and field coach. I was the key club advisor. I was the assistant student council advisor. I think I led like a building committee, like it, like, wow. you know, it, all of that was pre marriage. Right. I mean, I, I started to kind of downsize a little bit um, uh, at that point, but um, I, I, I didn't necessarily feel a need to coach, but I think I felt a need to be involved, right, with the mm -hmm. with the school that I was getting hired at. And so, um, you know, he he gave me a pitch again, not that he's like a salesman, but like and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, you know, kind of, you know, see the the facilities, you know, um, the, the gym space, the track, you know, the park, uh, Washington Township Park, where you guys train and and, and host meets at. And um, yeah, I decided, you know, hey, this is, you know, if, if I'm going to come here and, and, and teach, I you know, 
I think this would be a, a, another way to kind of immerse myself, you know, into the uh, into the the school. Um, now I came in, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily able to run uh, with the team very much because I had double sprained my ankle at my previous where I was an instructional assistant. And it was it was a my God, it looked like a grapefruit, like growing out of my out of my ankle. Um, the, I, I had to get it x-rayed twice because they were convinced that it was broken. Um, but, but it was just a double sprain. I remember, though, I can't remember when I first ran with the team. It was I it was at the high school. But I remember I was like hobbling, like, cause I, I had like no flexion. Like I, I probably shouldn't have been running. Right. <laughs> and I had no flexion in my ankle and here I am trying to keep up, you know, uh, uh, with everybody, but, um, it was great. We went up to the dunes for, um, uh, that was really the first time that I really, uh, had kind of like a total interaction with, um, with the team was I drove up separately and met them at the, at their camp at the, at the dunes that summer. Um, I'll never forget kind of just being thrown in. I'm not very good with names, but kind of thrown in the middle of a circle with, you know, probably back at that point, maybe 40 to 50 boys and girls combined. All right. On the, on the Avon cross country teams and having to like learn everybody's name. Right. Um, I mean, probably within the first 30 minutes of me arriving at camp. And so, you know, kind of, kind of thrown right there, uh, into the thick of things. But, um, that camp was just an awesome experience Two incredible coaches, Bob Copeland, the boys coach, uh, Bill Wilhelm, uh, the girls coach, uh, who had previously coached, um, I don't know, you know, Indiana cross country history. He was a longtime assistant coach at Ben Davis. Um, some of the state championships they won under uh, Scott Williams. Um, so just great, great kind of like learning under them and and meeting the uh, meeting the athletes. And um, yeah, just, you know, I don't know if it was an overnight thing, but just really kind of started to fall in love with it. Um uh, I, I kind of served like technically, I think I was the assistant boys coach, but they never hired an assistant girls coach. And so I, I feel like I, I kind of was the assistant to both. Right. Uh, Bill Wilhelm and the girls and uh, Bob Copeland and the boys. And it was well, a, uh... a good girls team. Their girls team was coming off a state finals appearance. The Their first um appearance i can't remember they I, I think they placed in the late teens maybe um and that would have been the fall of 2000 i believe and then i came on uh that fall of 2001 okay is there anything you miss about being an assistant um i don't know kind of you know not not I don't always be the decision maker you know um, I, I don't know if we'll get to this, you know, the, the, the year that I spent at Carmel, um, you know, with Colin, uh, Altavote, uh, that was, it, that was great because it was a reversal, right? I was, when he was at Avon for that year, I was the head coach, mm -hmm. he was the assistant coach and it was just kind of a, a reversal and it was just, he's such a good guy to you know, uh, has been a, a, a big influence on me. Um, and so it was really neat to kind of go in and kind of help them in the situation where they were at, they needed, uh, 
you know, uh, another coach. But obviously, I wasn't going in as a decision maker, right? I was kind of going in. I knew the training program. Um, you know, I was just kind of another guy to kind of check in with guys. You know, how you doing? How you feeling? You know, um, and and whatnot. So I I definitely am not one of these guys that. And and I don't know. I don't know if they necessarily exist. I I don't I don't feel the need to be a head coach. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Like I, I just, I love kind of being involved with, with, with coaching and I, I don't need to be the guy and, and, and maybe shouldn't be the guy, you know, um, in football, like there's probably a lot of defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators that probably are great at those positions. Hmm. And then they get moved up to a head coach and they, you know, they're not necessarily as, as successful. Um, you know, I mean, we've had success when I was head coach, but I guess my point is um, I, I head coach, assistant coach, just uh, I like working with kids and, you know, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it definitely does. Um, what What is it about coaching that like really lights you up? Is it the, the interaction? Like I think you just said, but like the interactions with the, the students, do you, do you enjoy writing the training and, and doing those like kind of administrative things or? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know the administrative things, obviously, I don't know if you've had to deal with this, like, um, you know, like if you're doing a fundraiser or you're passing out uniforms or you're getting team pictures, right. Those are not fun days. Right. right? <laughs> um, we've got our awards night. And I'm really looking forward to it. That's an opportunity to celebrate, right, the season. Um, and I've, and I'm I've got almost you know got most everything prepared, but obviously there's some still there's still some stuff tonight or tomorrow that you know I'll kind of work on to prepare, maybe fine tune. Um, there, there's there's a lot of behind the scenes, right, mm -hmm. uh, things that maybe the head coach is more responsible for. But at the same time that uh, like a, like any job or whatever, if you're a leader or a, or a coach or a manager, at the same time, you've got to be comfortable with like delegating. Right. And that's one mm -hmm. thing that I don't think I was as comfortable with early on was feeling like, oh, I'm the head. I've got the title of head coach. I'm getting paid the higher, you know, the more stipend. I need to do this, not because I want to do it my way, but because I, I hate to. I hate to put it off on anybody. Right. Mm. And so it, it, I think it took me a couple of years to kind of realize like, Hey, these people actually, my assistants want to be involved. You know, they want to, you know, take some of this load off, you know, take some of it on themselves and maybe to kind of help me take some of it off of me. Um, and so I think that's something that really is important for coaches or maybe especially head coaches is to, is to be able to delegate, you know, obviously you're not going to put, you know, an extraordinary amount of your work on assistant coaches. But at the same time, I think, how do you prepare an assistant coach to be a head coach unless you give them some of those, you know, those roles, those responsibilities or whatnot? Yeah, that's a great perspective. Uh, so you would go on to be the become the head girls coach at Avon. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, Bill Wilhelm was, uh, he retired after the, I guess the 2001 season. Um, 
he told me that he was going to retire. And so an, an interesting thing happened. The, the boys and the girls track and field head coaching positions both opened up. Hmm. And so, and so I talked to Bill and, and Bill said, okay, Bob was going to continue on as the girl, as the boys cross country coach. And Bill said, I, I think you would do good. I think you should go for the girls cross country, you know, position. And he said, it only makes sense that if you're going to coach girls cross country and you're interested in maybe doing track and field, which I was at the time, he said, you should go for the girls track and field position so that you're doing, you know, like the same gender, you know, kind of, kind of year round, mm -hmm. which made sense to me. I know some other schools, I think, uh, was it Northridge, I think where, uh, maybe there were some coaches, Josh Fletcher, I think coached the boys in one sport and the girls maybe in another, but, um, it made sense. And so I, I applied for and interviewed for the girls track and field position for, oh God, 2002, the spring of 2002 and, and got that and then became the girls cross country coach, uh, for the fall of 2002. Gosh, it's crazy to think of, uh, you know, here in 2023, it's crazy to think about, you know, that, that far back. Sometimes it feels like it's forever. And sometimes it feels like it was literally just yesterday. Yeah, that's so true. I guess I was only six years old, so I don't remember much about that time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so how was the transition to becoming a head coach? What were some of those, I guess, early lessons you learned? You know, um, like... And, and a lot of what I did, like what I've done at Zionsville, you know, I mean, Gabe Porras is an absolutely incredible coach. Uh, Zionsville was a successful program be before me. And it was almost like, well, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I didn't feel a, a need to come in and like change much and, you know, put my imprint, especially as kind of a first year coach, um, you know, on the, uh, on, on the program. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I did, uh, the, Bob Copeland, the, there was a lot that I needed to learn, right? Bob Copeland was a big, um, Jack Daniels, you know, his running formula, the VDOT table. Um, mm -hmm. so I think my early years, I kind of, I kind of gravitated to that. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know. I don't know. If, it, definitely simplistic, right? I mean, it's it's kind of all right there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that I kind of I wanted to and I needed to kind of learn more. Um, started going obviously to the IAT, CCC, you know, cross country and track and field clinics, listening to you know like peer coaches, mm -hmm. uh, which was which was very informative. Um. Uh, was uh, blessed to be able to hear uh, Arthur Lydiard. He came to the United States and I think it was the fall. Oh God, the fall of 2004, I think um, right before he passed away. And he spoke at Pike high school. Um, I think he was out there invited by coach Wetmore from the university of Colorado, Colorado won the national championship. I don't remember maybe in men's and women's uh, that year. Um, and so I, you know, I felt like I kind of pulled a little bit from him, not so much their training schedules, but like, uh, their bounding that they did kind of like the, the hill springing and the bounding, 
And that was something that we started to implement. We've got a, a great hill at Avon, uh, Washington Township Park. We call it Doomsday. It's a sledding hill. And, um, you know, uh, we, we didn't need to go into the weight room too much when we had that steep hill and we were able to do, you know, some running and some bounding uh, up those hills. But really just just learning and, you know, we kind of were, were in, in an age you know, I think let's run.com was just starting and for better or worse, you know, training information and, you know, is it, is it good quality information or, or not? Um, I think, like I said, going to a, like a USATF level one uh, certification at um, uh, up at Manchester, like a, it was a weekend and kind of helped give me a, a diversified look at all of the events, you know, in, in track and field, not just the uh, the distance or endurance um, uh, side of things. But um, yeah, like I, I just felt like I had good coaches, um, good peers at Avon. I kind of stepped into, and, and while I was at Avon and even at Zionsville, really lucky to have a lot of great event coaches, right? Mm -hmm. So that um, we I didn't have to immediately kind of work with an event group that I had zero to, you know, little experience with. Mm. Um, so, uh, and just like, and I don't know if you saw this, I don't know if you see this with Carmel, but, um, just the willingness, the, 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 the colleagues willing to share like at our Hendricks County level when I was at Avon or the HCC level, you know, like share ideas and talk about and, you know, maybe meet up with, and this is what, you know, this is what I did, you know, when I started out and, and this is what I did and it didn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that really helped a lot. Um, kind of looking stuff up, you know, finding resources, books, articles, websites, and then just reaching out to people um who i knew were good coaches and trying to you know pick their brains um about what i could do to try to you know further our program yeah it's been so cool like through this podcast developing relationships with coaches around the state and just like, they're just so open and willing to, to offer advice to to support you it's uh i don't know it's an amazing community it really is uh what about like stepping into the head coaching role from the aspect of like relationships and, and leadership, like you were kind of in a supporting role until then, like, was it a, a smooth transition in that regard now kind of leading and, and yeah, building those relationships. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, like I said, I was lucky. Uh, I stepped into kind of a, a track and field program that had like established, you know, like I said, event uh, group coaches, um, that were very easy to get along with, very open, very accepting. At the same time, I think it's important, you know, and this may be more of a track and field, you know, to let your coaches coach, right? I didn't feel the need uh, to micromanage or to, you know, like be an overseer or, or whatnot. Um, if, if I went to an event area, it was more for me to try to learn, right? Uh, from, from them, like watch them as they're teaching the athletes rather than me try to critique or, or anything. 
And so I just think we had a very good, uh, in fact, a lot of the coaches, I've, I think they've been put on Facebook, um, especially at Avon. Uh, I think there was an HSR qualifier where there were a bunch of us, like former Avon coaches and, and some that are still at Avon, like, for example, Zach Toothman. Um, but like uh, we took a picture and some of us are at Brownsburg, some of us are at uh, Carmel, some of us are at Zionsville. Some of us are still at Avon, and it was just kind of neat. We took a picture, a similar picture with some of the coaches at, at regional, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, just really good, you know, credible coaches that, uh, you know, I was able to make relationships, develop relationships with, and that I still have uh, relationships, you know, with. Obviously, Colin Altavote at Carmel and Tony Newburn um, at Carmel, uh, two guys that I worked with uh, at Avon. Um, and then obviously the relationships with athletes. And again, I think it took me a little bit of time, but um, I, I learned from when I was an athlete with my own athlete coach relationship to, to listen to athletes, hmm. um, you know, to try to involve them in the process and the training, you know, get their feedback because ultimately they're going through it. You know, they're the ones doing the work um, and, you know, you want them to buy in, you want them to commit and you're going to get so much more buy-in um, if, if you kind of involve them, if you explain to them uh, why you're doing, I think that's really important uh, that I didn't always do early on, explain to them why you're doing this particular workout, what's, what's going to be, you know, the training benefit, why are we doing not just this today, but why are we doing this sequence of things, you know, in this week, Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to mm. Thursday. Um, I, I, I think the athletes really wherever, you know, I, I think they really need that to get complete buy-in uh, to be able to commit. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, do you have some favorite moments or favorite moment from your time at Avon? Oh gosh. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and not that it's all about great teams. We had we 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 had fun teams even when we weren't necessarily, you know, like a like a contending team, um, like even maybe at the semi-state uh, level. But really, when everything started to really, um, I guess, click. Uh, you know, I talked about commitment and buy-in, and there was a group that came in uh, in 2011, and we had started, and maybe I should go back, like, um, you know, Colin, Colin Altavote, I think it was 2010 that Colin came on as an assistant, and he came in, and he had worked, you know, he'd gone to Franklin College, and he had worked uh, with Coach Weinheimer at Columbus North. And so he came in and asked about our training and, you know, I invited him into our classroom. I put like, here's a, here's a sample week that, you know, that, that we might do just kind of a, a, a typical week. And I'll never forget. He kind of, he looked at it and he was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not bad. He, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And, uh, oh God, how did he say it? He said, uh, and you've, you know, you've had, you know, you've had some pretty good individual success, right? I mean, we'd, we'd had some, you know, individual medalists uh, in, in cross country, um, uh, you know, and state qualifiers, Lorna Whaley and, and Maya Nagy uh, in particular. Um, but he said, you know, 
I've been working with, you know, Coach Weinheimer at Columbus North. And, you know, I really think that what they're doing, you know, the, the PPM program or, or the PAVO program, I, I really think that that could be a big difference maker here uh, with the athletes that we have. And, you know, it was really interesting because I told you about my own experience, right? At high school with, with Pavo. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I didn't commit to it, but my wife, my wife remembers this. I, I went home and I told her about that conversation with Colin. And, you know, I think I remember saying like, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know about this Pavo. It's got such this, you know, negative kind of, you know, talk and vibe to it. And she, I, I think she asked me like, well, what, what, what's so negative about it? And the funny thing was I, I couldn't come up with an answer. <laughs> you know, it was just almost like what I had heard, the telephone game or, you know, hearsay, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went to Colin, I think, I don't know if it was the next day. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe we do, maybe we do. And, and this might be a good time, right. To, to kind of make a, to make a change and, and see how this, how this goes, how this works. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never regret. And I'm so, um, I don't know if I'm, I'm so thankful for him for, uh, you know, kind of, kind of bringing that up, addressing it, and then not patting myself on the back. I'm so thankful that I didn't get defensive, right, mm. about a first year coach coming in, and not saying that what we were doing was trash, right? But like, I mean, he was like respectful, like, hey, yeah, you know, you've you've had some individual success with that, but I I really think that this could could be, you know, a, a difference maker for this team. Hmm. And, you know, we we implemented it and kind of the, the the rest was history, like very, very quickly. Um like I think we went from struggling to be, you know, struggling to be a, a semi-state qualifying team um to I think in 2011 we finished 13th and 2012 11th. 2013 fifth and 2014 second um just kind of like a progressive um improvement uh there uh and colin wasn't there he had moved on to carmel at that point he wasn't there for any of those you know state qualifying teams but um just my openness to trying something a different way um something that my own experience had been negative Although I couldn't tell you why, right? I mean, does does that make sense? No, for um, sure. Just, uh, just very, very thankful that things, um, you know, tur- turned out that way. Uh, so, you know, obviously kind of our run in the state tournament with, uh, you know, culminating in that state runner-up, I think at one point, not, not anymore, at one point we were, I think, ranked 13th maybe in the nation. Um uh, we got an injury and we weren't able to, uh, you know, perform as well in the, in the postseason. Um, I think at one point on the IA or, um, oh, what is INCC stats? Mm-hmm. I think we were in the, we were in the top 10, like state performing team 
and you know, I think we were in the top 10 and I mean, maybe we were eighth at one point and all the other top 10 teams were Carmel teams. Right. <laughs> um, so that's, that's pretty good company. And I think, I think another thing that's, that similarly, I stopped being jealous or envious of other coaches and other teams. And I started looking at it like, um, they're, they're, they're no, they're no different than us. Right. They're, they're, I mean, yes, Keppen, Keppen's Carmel teams may do this and Weinheimer's, you know, uh, Columbus North teams may do this and Karen DeVries, Valparaiso and Scott Litzkin's Westfield teams, they may do this, but they're, they're, they are not just automatically inherently better, right. Than us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, right now we're a blank slate. And so we're just going to, we're just going to try to be the best team that we can be, try to make ourselves really hard to, to beat. And, um, you know, just that kind of mentality, um, almost, almost more so than the, than the training, right. The physical mm -hmm. training, I think really, really made a difference, um, because that team, that team, I, I don't have the numbers right now. You know, Avon has two middle schools. That team that finished, ultimately finished second in the state, right? I think they were third and fourth as in the Hendricks County Middle School, like, cross-country championship. It's not like they were great, mm. you know, great runners. I think Taylor Nicholson... You know, she ran a 533, 1600 as a as an eighth grader, and then ran 451 as a as a freshman. Wow. Um, so, you know, like it's not like we had this infusion of this great talent. You know, it it very much was, and I, and I remember, I remember talking with the 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 group that eighth grade group when they came in in 2011. And like told them that I believed that they could be state qualifiers like four years in a row if if they were willing to put in the work. And um, I remember talking to one, I think it was Courtney Kerr, that that said I don't remember if it was her senior year, but she said that was a big motivator. Like, mm. like we we wanted, we were bound and determined that you know we were going to qualify for state four years in a row which they did. And, and, and then some, right. I mean, you know, second uh, in the state, their senior year, but, uh, but that, that, that group was a special group. Uh, Malika Abramson, who was a part of that uh, making it to Nike nationals and being able to travel out, um, you know, to Oregon to, to see her race mm -hmm. uh, Taylor Nicholson, uh, 1600 state champ and the freshman state record at, at the time. Um, th those are, those were some really great, um great great things uh track and field um when we won the regional i mean you know how hard that lafayette regional is um i, I think it came down to the four by four uh, between us and carmel and uh you know we were able to pull it off and 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 win a regional um so yeah a lot, lot of a lot of fond memories of uh of, of avon athletes wise coach wise you know, athletic administration wise, um, just great experiences for me. And, and I think for the kids. So you've, uh, 
you've kind of answered these next couple of questions all throughout this conversation, but if there's anything else you wanted to kind of add or even just kind of consolidate the answer, but if you wouldn't mind, and you know, obviously you can share as much or as little as you'd like, kind of give me an overview of your training philosophy, like what you believe about training, like different key workouts, mileage, progression, things like that. Um, and you've also kind of answered this question, but what are some major lessons that you've learned about training, like throughout your career? Sure. Um, oh gosh. Uh, well, and, and I think maybe going back, like, what are some lessons I've learned? Maybe not on so much on training, but on, uh, um, on coaching, um, is kind of balance. Mm. And, um, I think I told you that I was very, very, uh, involved with too much stuff, you know, like before I got married and before I had kids. And, um, when I left Avon, I actually, uh, I left Avon, went to, uh, teach. I, I always wanted to teach elementary, like, you know, and so I went to Pittsburgh Elementary, which is where I live, right? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Um, so I taught one year there and like stopped coaching. And the irony is I thought in my head, I don't want to, I don't want to be in one school district teaching and coaching in another school district, right? Mm -hmm. And I had young kids and I was like, gosh, I'd love to be able to see them get off the school bus, right? and um just be kind of a present you know more um so gosh I, now i forget where i was going with that um but oh i'm sorry the balance the balance so then i eventually went to brownsburg uh like i, I loved the experience at pittsburgh but um brownsburg would get me on the same like vacation schedule my wife was an administrator uh at the high school my kids go to Brown, Brownsburg schools. So that was too good to pass up. Um, and then I still was like, man, I just, I, I like having all this free time, right? I was able to start coaching my son in some sports like soccer and uh, basketball. And then um, I think it was, oh gosh, what was it? The fall the fall of 2018, I think, uh, Colin reached out and said, Hey, you know, I know you, I know you got out of coaching, but you know, we, we could really use like, you know, an, another assistant coach, um, you know, just cause you know, the numbers are big, right. Uh, we could use another assistant coach. Do you think you could, would you be willing to, you know, come from Brownsburg to Carmel? And I was like, man, I don't know. That's a, you know, that's a, that's a drive right during pre rush hour, but, you know, just the opportunity to work with him uh, again, I just I couldn't pass up. Did that had a blast. I think one of my favorite experiences there. All right. I, I know I'm all over the place, Josh. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite experiences was we had a Halloween. We dress up for Halloween at Brownsburg High School. Right. The teachers. And so I we did like an uh, we did a, a, a Peter Pan uh and i was peter pan and so i went straight from brownsburg high school didn't have any time to change 
and showed up at practice and you know colin is kind of already talking to everybody in the locker room and whatnot and i'm in this green like fairy outfit like peter pan outfit with a green hat right uh-huh. and so i just kind of show up and i think people are chuckling and then you know everybody gets you know uh released to to start their run and so i go and i i mean i had my running shoes and so i <laughs> i i ran <laughs> on the Carmel campus and into, you know, uh, downtown and onto the Monon trail with this P- Peter Pan costume <laughs> on. And I think, I can't remember which athlete it was, but I think one of the, at the, uh, awards night, I think one of the memories that the athletes had of me was me showing up at practice and participating in practice, looking like <laughs> Peter Pan. Right. Um, so that was obviously a great, great, uh, opportunity just to, to get back involved with a team and some great coaches like, you know, Colin and Gordon Copey and Jason Rigsby. Um, and then actually while that season was still going on talking about balance, uh, I got a, I don't remember if it, I think it was a text from Gabe Porras at Zionsville and, you know, he's got younger kids as well. And so he was like, man, I I'm thinking of, I thinking of giving up track and field right to uh to do cross country and to just kind of free up time right to balance mm-hmm. um and asked me he said i know you've been you know helping out at carmel do you miss it or you know would, is this something that you might be interested in and i talked to my wife and um it was something you know that carmel kind of reignited you know, my love for my passion, uh, for coaching. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I am interested. And so long story short, uh, well, not too short, right. Uh, <laughs> long story, uh, interviewed and, and got the job there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a great experience. Um, you know, people ask, gosh, how can you do that? Uh, well, Brownsburg lets out at two fifty. And Zionsville lets out at 3:40, so it kind of, you know, it, it works out time-wise for that. Um, but the balance is without doing cross country, which I obviously love. I mean, you know, that's a that's a, a, a great sport unto itself. But with just doing track and field and 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 having Gabe, you know, who's does great things with our distance runners, um, I'm able to balance out time with my family, time with, you know, with my wife, time with my children, still coaching, you know, my son, maybe more so in the fall, you know, but making his games on Saturdays because there's not, you know, not a Saturday invitationals, right? Most of our mm-hmm. meets are, 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 are weekdays. So, um, you know, again, I think maybe I'm not answering uh, your question, but, but just one thing that I learned and one thing that I think is very important you know, especially as you, you know, you may not have as many commitments, but you talked about your girlfriend, right? And 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 maybe eventually, and 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 maybe eventually kids. Like that balance is just very, very crucial because I mean, I don't think I have any examples, but uh, like um, I, I I think it's I think coaching can be tough on on families and and mm. and whatnot. You know, if if you don't have that balance. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned earlier that, especially like when you were a single guy, like you were saying yes to everything, especially when you're at Avon. Um, Was it a tough transition as you took on, like as you got married, as you had kids to 
to start saying no to stuff and find like trimming down your schedule? Was that a, what was that process like? Um, pretty, uh, pretty soon after like, uh, and maybe not even marriage, but like, you know, having kids, it definitely, and, and I guess one thing that I didn't say that helped is, um, uh, my my later years at Avon, uh, I wasn't always the head track and field coach. Um, Stephanie Chenoweth, uh, who was a teacher, she uh, a good a good athlete unto herself, uh, track and uh, athlete and basketball athlete in Minster, Ohio. I think she ran with Sonny Olding um, in high school, and uh, she played basketball for Butler. She came on and uh, as an assistant coach, and I you know. I think one time I was like, Hey, um, would you ever be interested in being the head track and field coach? And she was like, you know, yeah, I'd be interested. And I was like, well, how about next year? And so she um, kind of came on as the head coach. And then it's interesting because um, she ended up having three children. And I think, um, I mean, I hate, I hope this doesn't sound bad. She, whenever she would go on maternity leave, if it, if it was during the season, which I think a lot of times it was, I would take over. It was kind of nice because I could seamlessly, you know, I was a previous head coach and I could kind of take over as the head coach while she was on uh, maternity leave. So um, again, just kind of that, you know, that, that, that that was a nice thing for me. You know, you talked about, um, you know, I think we talked about assistant coaches earlier. That was kind of nice to kind of segue to more of an assistant role at that point, I was able to kind of focus more on the distance runners and not necessarily, you know, the the, the whole team um, in all of its various event areas and whatnot. Hmm. So with training specifically, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started, um, like it's no secret that Carmel does a, a variation of Papa or the PPM program. Um, what did it look like for you guys at Avon? Um, and I guess if you want to play a little bit of both sides, like it's, it gets a bad rap around the state. Um, people have their opinions on it. Um, maybe why do you think that is, can you play a little bit to the other side and then kind of give your, your support of the program as well? Yeah. Um, I, Colin and I have talked before about uh, not to put words in his mouth, but I think we've talked about like is it, is it just because it has a name, you know, like it's got a, it's got like a brand or whatnot. I think some people are, because it's maybe like, I don't know, secretive, like there's not a book, right. Or a website maybe that uh, there's a lot of like clinic notes, I think. I mean, I think if you look up um, or if you've attended any of the recent years, IAT CCC clinics, I think Colin kind of puts everything out there and coach Weinheimer before him kind of put everything out there um so there's really nothing secret about it um i i don't know i i will say this i i you know i I don't i don't want to say jealousy or envy but like a a lot of the people that i hear that seem to be so negative almost i don't want to say hateful but like they're just so passionately against right it's like there's there's a wrong in the universe and it's pavo. Um, I would I would say for the most part the there those are teams that 
the Pavo teams are maybe performing at a higher level than them, right? So I don't mean to beat around the bush. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would say jealousy or envy or, or whatnot, but um, I, I sometimes I hear it and I just, uh, it, you know, people complaining or bashing or whatnot. And I just kind of think, you know, it, it's almost like you wish you were performing the way they were right at their level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I don't, you know, I, I don't get that. I, you know, whether, whether it's a basketball team does man to man or, 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 or zone or, you know, two, three or UNLV's amoeba defense. Like I, I'm not, I'm not like going to be hateful on something. What we may, we may do what we do, right. We're, we're going to do this, but I'm not going to hate on what somebody else does. And so I just, I, I, I've never understood that even though, again, I initially came from a, a part where I did kind of buy into that, right? I mean, I, I was exposed or heard or was a part of that negativity when I didn't really even understand fully why that negativity was 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 there. Um, I do think having been, having presented at Pavo clinics before uh, myself and attended several Pavo clinics, um, I will say, and I and I I don't think that they'll uh, be upset with me about this, and I think you alluded to it. I don't think Coach Weinheimer, what he did was was totally what Marshall Sellers like you know would teach, and I don't I know that what Colin and what what I did uh, I don't was not like true Pavo like what what a Coach Sellers would do. We kind of each kind of put maybe our own little twist on on things while keeping kind of the core um, system, I guess, if you will, uh, keeping the core system um, uh, in place. Like the like the CT days, the critical threshold days, um, like we, we did not, we didn't necessarily put a pace on those, right? And, and, and I could see how if somebody was like, oh, well, they race every day or they go hard every day, well, if if you did do, they, you know, in my opinion, if you did do those CT days the way that they're supposed to be, I uh, I don't I don't know if my Avon teams would have performed as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I think there were kind of adjustments that have been made by coaches that they keep the inherent, um, you know, the the integrity, I guess, of the of the training program but they kind of put their own little spin or their own little mark on it. Yeah. From, from my perspective, it seems like a lot of the the bad rap comes from that, that misunderstanding of what it is and how it's implemented at different schools. I know like when I was in high school or shortly after high school, like people were saying, and I thought that it was that, like that racing every day, you run hard every day. Um, and then there's also kind of this misconception that like everyone on Carmel was getting hurt. Like no one was making it to the end of the season, but now like getting a front row seat to it. Um, and although like I have my own opinions on and ways that I think I would do training and, and each coach has their own, like for most of the summer, we're doing no workouts. And for most of the year, we're doing maybe one workout and one long run. Like it is a lot more reasonable than, I don't know, maybe people think it is, at least what I thought it was. Um, I don't know. I feel like if people saw it in action and, and saw 
it's all the way that Colin like interacts with the kids. He's like constantly asking them like, how are you feeling? He'll, he'll cut workout short if he needs to and things like that. Like it's, he's not just running them into the ground and I've appreciated like his, his approach to it. Like, yes, he, he is doing Pava, but like he's made it his own and he's willing to pivot when kids speak up. So I, I'll tell you the funny thing. uh, One time we had an athlete that, that requested like, this was during the track season was kind of more of a, maybe a middle distance athlete. And they requested in the middle of the season, like, Hey, I, I don't think this is working for me. Like, can I, can I go and work with a kind of more of a mid distance group? Right. We, we kind of had like a 400, 800 group. And uh, this coach was very like anti Pavo, this particular coach. And um this athlete, I, I was like, I was like, fine. That's yeah, that's great. You know, let's try something different because almost mentally, right. Mentally, mm-hmm. I wanted to, to try to get this athlete on track. And, but the funny thing was the very first workout that they did, they were doing a workout on the track. And as she came around one time, I, I whispered to her, I was like, Hey, this workout that you're doing. Um, she was like, yeah. And I was like, we do this and we have a name for it, don't we? And she was like, yeah, CIs or continuous <laughs> intervals. And so it was just so interesting. The the very first thing that they were doing an anti-pavo, right? I mean, a very anti-pavo coach was doing a workout that she totally recognized as, yeah, we do this and we call it CIs, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it just, just very, very interesting. But you know, like, and I know this is one year, like um, the 2013 cross-country state meet. I think it was 2013. You had four schools, uh, Columbus North, Avon, Fremont, and Oldenburg Academy. So two bigger schools, right? And two smaller schools, right? Um, to my knowledge, we were the, those four were the only, like, say, total Pavo, like, you know, hardcore Pavo schools in the state that year, I don't know, there might've been like Silver Creek, maybe down South, maybe Perry Meridian might've been doing, I don't know. But um, those schools were like openly, like we do the PPM program. And six of the top 12 at the state meet were all from those four schools. Uh, Mackenzie Caldwell was second from Columbus North, Taylor Nicholson from Avon fifth, Abby Hostetler from Fremont seventh, Sarah Billingsley from Oldenburg Academy ninth, Sierra Lax from Columbus North was 11th and Malika Abramson from Avon was 12th. So four mm-hmm. schools, two big schools, two s- relatively small schools, Oldenburg Academy, right? Um, six of the top 12 trained the pretty much, I think, the exact same way. Um, and so, you know, I mean, for every, st- you know, like people can say, I, you know, anecdotally, they get burned out. You know, they get burned out in college or they get injured, you know, like mm-hmm. anecdotally, there's no like, well, this is actual hard data, right? That I'm kind of, you know, re- reading off to you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, and I think like you said, it's not the only way to train. And I think I shared with you, like, you know, USATF and USTF CCCA, like I've, I've done a lot. Uh, of kind of, kind of some courses with Scott Christensen, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, 
you know, he's a great coach at Stillwater in, uh, in Minnesota. And, um, you know, he is not, you know, I mean, Pavo does not enter his vernacular at all. And I think there's a lot that I really like about, you know, what, what, what he has. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately it comes down to tradition and culture and selling it to your athletes and just building, you know, building that buy-in. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a group that like, they, they totally bought in. They, they, mm. they, they, they dug in. And, and kind of to your point as well, there's, there's really not that much variation in like in workouts or the different types of plans. Like, like you said, the CIs are, are essentially re- repeat 400s with the jog rest. Like whether you call it repeat 400s or CIs, you're doing the same thing. And yes, the PPM right. is harder than a tempo would be, but for a lot of these high schoolers, they're not pushing themselves to the absolute limit. And a lot of the best runners know how to like regulate themselves so they can, they're not crawling to the, to the end of the workout. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of like I said, you have to, if you saw it in person, I I think you may, may change your mind a little bit. No, that's a, that's a great point. And, 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 you know, when I said, when I, you know, I, when I told Colin, like, Hey, let's, let's do this. Let's try this. Right. Let's, let's do this. Like, even then though, I think it wasn't until kind of like, you know, we kind of explained it to everybody. It wasn't until I kind of saw the PPMs, right. At, at, at the athletes, you know, uh, doing those workouts, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, even at a clinic to sit and listen to somebody explain something. It's something else entirely, like you said, to actually be there witness, you know, how, how do they handle this workout? How do they do, you know, how does the training build upon, you know, each other? Yeah. And, sure. and also, also the PPM program just being very individualized. Um, like, I mean, I guess I've heard people say maybe it's cookie cutter and maybe, I mean, I guess I could see that, but at the same time there was, and I don't have them with me right now. I think I had, uh, you know, I, I know Colin does like what, what I used to do, like a schedule, like, you know, a grid like schedule for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think I, out of, out of like, say 35 athletes, I think there were 28 different, 28 different schedules. Now, a lot of it was the same. Like they, maybe they were all doing like, uh, maybe they were all doing CIs, right? Like a majority of them were doing CIs. But 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 the number of the volume of CIs and the pace of the CIs was different. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. then maybe because of maybe somebody you know being sick for a week or whatnot, maybe I had somebody else, a couple of kids doing PPMs. Maybe somebody was coming back from an injury, and maybe somebody was out for a week, and so they were doing PPMs, but they weren't doing the same number of like miles of, of PPMs, right? But I just, I distinctly remember there was a time where I, 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 it was like 30, it might've been even like 33, 33 kids, 33 athletes. And there were like 29 or 30 different grid lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have been doing something very similar, but the pace was different. The volume was different. And to me, that's very individualized. I don't know if, if, some other coaches right if like 
I mean, you may have like, okay, this, this front group, this is your target time. Middle group, this is your target time. Mm-hmm. Last group, this is your target time. You might have 40 or 50 kids, but it's only individualized three different ways. You know what I mean? Like three, like a faster yeah. time, a, a middle time. and a. But, but that was an example where I was able to differentiate it 20, 27, I don't know, 28 times, you know, like, so I, I don't know. I, and, and, and as a special ed teacher, that's huge. You know, that's, that's what I think uh, comes, you know, there's probably a lot of teachers, you know, that they maybe they're a chemistry teacher or a physics teacher. And so they can bring that to their coaching. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Colin, I don't know. I don't know how, what, how Colin brings Spanish to his coaching. <laughs> But like as a special ed teacher, kind of that individualization, you know, Mm -hmm. what is this at this athlete might need something different than what this athlete needs. Maybe because it's because this one is a freshman and this is a senior. Maybe it's because this one runs this and this one runs that or or this one jumps at this height. Right. Mm -hmm. And this one is is uh, is a newbie, you know, and is is jumping six or seven inches lower. So it's not just distance related um and it's hard because don't get me wrong you know like individualizing takes time Mm -hmm. but i do think and i think if you you know if you talk to any collegiate coach uh, at least that i've kind of through like usctf or whatnot i mean they're they're big on trying as much as you can to individualize and i just think that the ppm program lends itself uh to that really well yeah i totally agree um i think there's also just this element of it's caramel. Like, of course they're doing something different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I felt that as well. Like I, I don't know. I'm the kind of person that roots roots for the underdog wants the, the little man to win. And like now being a coach at, at Carmel, I like I've had to wrestle with that a little bit being like, it kind of feels like, like Kevin Durant joining the warriors, you know, like it's, it's like, of right. course, like the warriors are getting better kind of thing. It's just right. like it it can be hard to root for the the team understandably that like it keeps winning but yeah there's yeah there's just like so much at play with with Pava with just like everything that goes into it but I think you're right I think definitely car you know the the, the fact that it's Pavo the fact that it's Carmel that's doing it um you know <laughs> Colin Colin not that he makes himself a target but Colin maybe a little JJ Reddick, right? Sometimes <laughs> uh, it can be opinionated and, and not afraid to share uh, his opinion. Um, n- not saying he makes himself a target, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but yeah. And, you know, in defense, and I'm not being paid by Carmel, right. To say this, but having coached at Avon and Zionsville and I teach at Brownsburg and I've, and I've taught, at, you know, kind of a little bit smaller uh, tri West Hendricks uh, community um, you know, Carmel is, they're, they're bigger and there may be, you know, really good resources there that not every school has, but the kids there are, I can't tell a difference between the kids there, the kids at Zionsville, the kids at Brownsburg, the kids at Avon, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, they, they, they have a bigger team, right? They have a much bigger school. It's, but they're, they're good kids. Um, and they don't necessarily deserve the rap, right? That some, some people aim at them, I guess. Yeah, for sure. That, that's a really great point, actually. 
And even to take it a step further, like when I was out in Baltimore, I worked at a, a nonprofit coffee shop that employed uh, youth in the area who had like at least three barriers to employment. So maybe they didn't have a phone or a car, um, even as bad as like access to to food or water or things like that. And we employed them in this coffee shop, but they were uh, like mostly high schoolers. And it was interesting, like obviously coming from from Fishers and they went to Purdue at West Lafayette. Um, like I didn't see in person a lot of of need or want. Um, and then being in rougher part of Baltimore, like these kids were were just kids. Like they they enjoyed the same things. They talked very similarly to similarly to kids in Fishers. Um, like they cared about like who they're going on dates with. They cared about TikTok. They cared about all these things. And like, yeah, like to your point, like we have these conversations about like is Pavo right? Should Carmel this, Carmel that, or or even other schools. But like when it comes down to it, it's it should ultimately be about the kids and what's best for them. And there is just so much, yeah, like you said, similarity across even across like wealth and and those kind of differences. But sure. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So a couple more questions. Uh, I know we were talking about how long this would be before. There's no way we'd go two hours, but I think we're <laughs> just about there. <laughs> all right. Um, what have you learned specifically about like coaching girls and then also being a guy coaching girls? You know, I, I don't know if I, and, and I, I hate to kind of go back to maybe what I just said. Um, I don't really see a big difference uh, between the two. In my experience, it's really almost more the individual, right? How you interact or discuss things or give feedback uh, to each athlete. I just feel it's highly individual, uh, not necessarily like, you know, this is how, and not to use cookie cutter, but like this, not like, okay, boom, this is how I would talk to like a, a female athlete boom, this is how I would talk to like a, a male athlete or how I would approach or whatnot. Mm. I mean, I guess the only thing is, and I mean, I'm not like a big, I don't think of myself as a big cursor, right? Or, or, uh, or, or, and I've mellowed out. I used to be like a big shouter, <laughs> like not necessarily shouting at kids like angrily, but like shout, like trying to be loud, like, you know, like giving them instructions or whatnot. And I think too often, like I just, I, I became to realize like, Either A, they can't hear me, or B, they hear me, but it's like I'm Charlie Brown's like teacher, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I just I I kind of am much more low key. I I never had high blood pressure, but I would I would think that my blood pressure is probably lower as a coach now than uh, <laughs> than maybe it was. Um I just I don't know. It's kind of go treating them as individuals, right? Kind of getting to know them, what kind of makes them tick um what motivates them right uh, different different people are motivated differently um you know obviously I, sometimes i almost uh sometimes i almost think that it's not by gender but sometimes like by event right i mean hmm. uh, sometimes like field eventers uh, you know maybe kind of talk to a little bit different than distance runners or you know um or or, or like sprinters or hurdlers but just, I think I've personally lightened up over the years. Don't take things personal. Um, 
you know, I kind of go back to whether it's a male or female, just, uh, I love Al Carius, uh, you know, I don't know if it's his rule or his guidelines at what North central college, I think, but, um, run for fun and personal best. Right. Hmm. I just, I try not to get caught up in, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I want to do, I want our team to, uh, to do the bet. Like when it comes to big meets, like the especially like you know say conference uh sectional uh regional state individually and team wise i want them to perform you know their best but i don't get hung up on the scores and the and the places you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i just i look more back and when we have our awards night you know tomorrow night i'm going to focus a lot more on our, our improvement, you know, how did people improve from last year to this year? How did people improve from the beginning of this season to the, you know, to the end of this season? Uh, some of that might, some of that might be a little bit, you know, we're in the, we're in the same sectional as Plainfield and Brownsburg, right? <laughs> uh, so two, you know, top teams in the, well, last year's what? Last year's state champion and last year's runner up. And, um, but I, I don't know. I, I just, and I hope that doesn't make me sound like a bad coach. I want our teams to do well. Um, and I think I communicate, you know, that to them, but like their, their experience as an athlete and my experience as a coach does not ride on how we place as a team, Hmm. you know, um, I, I, I much, I much more hope that it's the, the day to day, you know, practices and the, and the traveling to and, and competing at and traveling from the meets and the, and the relationships that they have with each other in all times in between. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I've become much more a, the score, what is it? Uh, the, the, the score takes care of itself. Mm, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like we have, for example, our practices are two hours long, right? Now, our pole vaulters may go longer and our uh, distance runners may go longer, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, for everybody else, two hours tops, like four to six. And um, generally, we're out by 530. And for some of our kids, maybe even five, depending on what they did in the weight room. Um, I'm not a feed the cats guy necessarily, but I do believe in the minimal, like effective dose. Like don't just load things. Don't load and load and load things on a kid if they're not ready to do it. Or if they did something, you know, an APC or whatnot, you know, um, this morning. And so it's hard being a kid, being a teenager. And so I tell them for the most part, if six o'clock rolls around and, and I'm not done, you know, like we, we're, we're not done with what maybe we said we were going to do, then that's my fault because I didn't plan things right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to release you guys and let you guys get home to go eat, do homework, socialize, get sleep. You know, um, I just really mellowed out. I used to be the kind of coach that I don't know if we had a really three hour practices, but I, if, the, if I ever had a three hour practice, I wanted it filled, right? I wanted it filled. Like we're going to do this and 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 you're going to love it. And, and I'm just like, man, no, these kids have other things that they, they, they should be doing, not just mm. what that they want to be doing. 
For so sure. I, I've kind of mellowed out as a coach in my, uh, in my old age, I think. <laughs> I I think that approach also like keeps the important things first. Like you said, you're not just filling it with whatever you can think of. Like you, if you're going to keep it to two hours, you're going to have to jam, jam in the best stuff. Right. And not just fill. Yeah. Not just fill thing, not just fill time. And I think mm-hmm. I may have said that t- kind of to them. Like, I don't want, I don't want to just fill your time. I want it to be meaningful you know, and I want you to give your best effort. Don't, don't, don't waste my time. And, and I don't want to waste yours. Right. And I think that what you alluded to with the the banquet coming up tomorrow and how you're going to focus on uh, like individual improvement. I think that's, that's key. Like, obviously it's, it's very important to learn how to compete. Like we're at the end of the day, we are racing against each other, but I feel like that kind of points to a, I don't know, a fundamental truth of life that like, yes, you need to, there are other people that you're competing against in in career or racing or whatever, but ultimately all you can do is like focus on yourself and improving yourself. And if you do that, like you said, like the, the races will take care of themselves. Well, that's, Um, that's that's kind of like the life skill of it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. because you're not always, you're not always going to be able to win. Right but you're always going to be able to improve yourself. You're always going to be able to get better. And, and I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Again, I don't want it to sound like I don't want to win. Like we just found out tonight at a, like at a Zionsville coaches social that we, we won the, um, the all sports award for boys. So I, I don't know if the Mick had that before. Right. But like they take the average of your finishes in all of the boys sports Oh, wow. Right. So like fall, winter and spring. And so we we didn't win the overall like we didn't win the girls overall and we didn't win the boys and girls overall. But we we were the boys. Overall, does that does that make sense? Um, Okay, I got you. Yeah. And so so, I mean, that's I'm like, uh, that's awesome. Like we tied for third in the conference. And so I feel like we we contributed to that. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I want, I want to get as many kids to state as possible. And I want, you know, them to perform well. And I want us to place well at, you know, these various postseason meets, but there's so much more to it than, than just that. Hmm. I feel like that's the, the beauty and balance of coaching. Like if you, if you swung to the way other side of like only focusing on accomplishments, like I don't think that they will come, but finding that balance of like, not, not, not caring, but then also not going too far of like accomplishment, accomplishment, finding that balance of, I guess, like the day to day, day in, day out, let's focus on ourselves. Let's get better each day. Like you said, I think coach Weinheimer, I, I I hate to always, I'm thinking the God, am I putting uh, words in somebody's mouth? (laughs) <laughs> I think I recall coach Weinheimer more than once saying like publicly at a clinic, like it, it wasn't until he kind of accepted that may, you know, like he wanted to win a state championship, right? He wanted to coach a, a state champion team. And I think he said something like, it wasn't until I accepted that that might not happen mm-hmm. that I think that they, that then they started to see a lot more success, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if he, I, I can't remember if he kind of was 
was was he so was he too focused on that you know what i mean like razor focused mm-hmm. and it wasn't until he kind of let a little bit of that go that i i can't remember kind of where he where he went with that but i know that when he stopped putting i think so much pressure on himself and, and maybe on his athletes too you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and whether we want to or not i think our athletes can kind of read our emotions you know um at practice yeah. and, and whatnot yeah no definitely all right so we we've covered a lot obviously um let's end on this question maybe a little more fun of a question but uh what do you enjoy doing outside of coaching and teaching uh i think i mentioned some of this you know like spending time with family um reading like uh a lot of stuff on training and, and it used to be mainly like distance related. And now it's, you know, just kind of like anything kind of track and fields uh, related uh, history related, like biography. Uh, I like reading, watching TV. Um, I don't know, like my wife and I big Ted Lasso fans, I think uh, tomorrow, right. Is the season finale or series finale, maybe um clarkson's farm is another one on netflix that i've been trying to get people to watch it's pretty funny uh going to state and local parks um and then i don't know watching my children you know participate and sometimes coaching them um in sports and music my daughter is more right now kind of more musically inclined she's playing the cello uh might might move to the bass in uh, middle school orchestra um she uh she played soccer this season and I think she's going to try cross country in the, in the fall. Um, we went out today, um, and kind of walked, walked the B and O trail. And, um, I talked to her that, um, you know, Thursday, we're going to try to try to run. Maybe it might be a little bit of a run walk, you know, cause she's kind of relatively starting from scratch. No PPMs yet for her. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right but um but yeah you know spending time and spending time with friends i guess you know um but uh but yeah that's a lot of great stuff um you should know i whenever i see you i always want to call you brock because of your last name it just, oh yeah do you get that a lot or no <laughs> um god what was it that colin colin sent me no i don't necessarily get that but um i think colin sent me oh gosh he sent me a picture and maybe uh of of somebody at carmel i think a lacrosse player that maybe had the name brock rose okay something something like that um i can't remember because rose brock is kind of like a you you know relatively unique name Mm -hmm. um but no, that's I, I'll probably remember that from now on. And like anytime <laughs> I kind of glance at you, I'll be like, "Is he thinking Brock? Hey, there's <laughs> there's Brock, <laughs> Brock Rosebread. Right, right. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, this is awesome. I appreciate your time. Sure. Uh, yeah. Your yeah. Time. No. No. This is this is great. I'll tell you one thing, and I can't remember if I talked to, and this isn't. Uh, this isn't necessarily aimed at anybody, but I like one thing that I think would be really cool is, um, 
and this is probably more of an IAT CCC thing. And I, and I can't remember if I heard them somebody say that this was something they were thinking about, but almost like for for new coaches. And I, you know, I think would you consider yourself like a new, relatively new coach, or or maybe you know when you eventually get your head, you know, your first head coaching job, like almost like a mentor, like. Hmm. Like, like maybe an experienced coach through the IAT CCC and like a check-in. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. like, like, like an email or maybe phone call, like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, like, do you have any questions? How did your team do? Yeah. You know, I just, I, I've been thinking about that and, and wondering, I think they do some, you know, mentoring at the collegiate level. And I'm like, man you know, we've got a lot of really good coaches in our state and, and um, just that would be something really interesting to kind of put together, you know, and it makes sense that it would maybe be the IAT CCC. So maybe I need to reach out to somebody there. But but I thought I heard that maybe they're already thinking about that. But I, I don't know, I don't that I could have used that, you know, and I just think that there's other coaches that maybe could 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 use that just kind of like a somebody to check in with like you know um could be a retired coach could be a rick weinheimer yeah i'm sure he's got a lot on his plate with his own <laughs> presentations um but no that's i i just you know i i think everything indiana i think what i'm thinking of everything that indiana runner does i think is good for the sport um you know just making it accessible uh, making it user friendly, right? Um, just the 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 accumulation of stats and kind of organizing them. I think Colin and and uh, and and Taylor's podcasts. I think yours. You know, um, I was telling a friend. Well, one of our sprint coach, one of our sprint coaches at Zionsville. You know, he was like, I think he just got introduced to IndianaRunner.com, and he was like, "This is incredible." <laughs> And, and I was like, yeah, I was like, they do a really good job. I mean, they, you know, try to cover, you know, all events and whatnot. And he's just like, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously it's maybe devoted a little bit more to distance, right. Or there's more talk on the board about distance, but he's like, this, this is incredible. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm not aware of a state, you know, they might have like mile split message boards or whatnot, but I said, I'm, I'm not aware of a state that has anything of this quality. Right. Yeah. for um, sure. And so I think, you know, just everybody, Derek and, you know, Colin and, and Brandon Jones and, you know, you now um, like Derek Leininger, I don't know if he'll listen to this. I keep telling Colin and maybe I just need to do it. He should be nominated for, um, uh iat ccc hall of fame right mm. and i think he was a, i think he was a great coach but um uh what's the word i'm looking for um contributor right i, I think yeah. they may have like a contributor like hall of fame and i think he would be great for uh and, and so maybe i'll do that for next year yeah it's pretty it's pretty amazing like for such a niche sport like high school mostly distance running like between right, INC, right. like you said between INCC stats even mile split like Indiana runner the like the I guess access to different media and stats and things it's it's pretty amazing um, right but also I really like your idea of, of 
the mentorship. Um, I feel like, I don't know, all of the coaches I've talked to through this podcast, like seem like they'd be willing to do something like that. And so I'm sure there are plenty of coaches out there that would be willing to participate. Right. Just something to grow this, you know, grow the sport. I mean, it's a great sport, whether it's classed or not classed. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, I know, but, but, but I mean, I guess what, you know, we're, we're wanting to grow the sport regardless i know some people might say oh god i opened a i opened the bottle there right pandora's bottle <laughs> um but um no 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 no. i'm just i'm just gonna leave it at that i i think i i think coaches need to be supported more and not not that their athletic departments can't you know shouldn't be responsible for that but i think that we as colleagues and our in our iat ccc as an organization I think can maybe do more to uh, to organize that support for coaches, young young coaches. Yep, totally agree. Uh, well, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about before we wrap up? I don't know. We haven't broken a record yet, have we? Oh, we're pretty close, actually. <laughs> no, let's not. Hey, no, 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 no. Don't waste uh, don't waste that on me. Let let the record stand. That's fine. <laughs> um, right. No, thank you so much for having me on. It was fun. Um, yeah awesome well got a big day coming up on friday yes sir yeah awesome all right everybody until next time we will see you